Praise the Lord, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm so thankful to feel his presence tonight. Uh, you can be seated. I want to take a moment here to get some preliminaries out of the way. And uh, I count it a very big honor to be asked to come and to minister this local assembly. I've, uh, I've, uh, I've been blessed to be here, uh, here recently, got to see the nice facilities. Um, I've got to meet uh, <clears throat> your pastor and brother Caleb just uh, kind of in passing, uh, not, uh, not as well as I'd like yet, but I'm glad that this opportunity has, has come up, and uh, I just want to be a blessing to this church. I, I, I pray, that's my prayer, you know, uh, David, he said in Psalms 144 that the Lord taught his hands to fight and his fingers to war, and I said, God, if you can teach David that, Lord, teach my hands to build and my mouth to encourage. I want to be a help and encouragement wherever I go. It, it doesn't take any kind of skill or any kind of doing to really tear anybody down, but to build up, you've got to really put effort into it. You have to get wisdom and understanding from the Lord. You have to really try to be a builder. I come from a family of freight carpenters who have built tons of uh, apartment complexes all over the nation and, and big custom homes and, and that sort of things. And it, it takes a skill. It takes somebody who is purposeful in what they're doing. <clears throat> but I give honor to your elder tonight for having me, and I give honor to my pastor. And uh, I do again ask for you to forgive me, my family not being here. Uh, we are going through it, but we are going through it. We're still standing in Claremore, Oklahoma, for truth and for the Word of God. And I'm so thankful. I was so nervous to come here, and uh, I didn't. I don't know much about your church, and I think you know. In retrospect, it's probably a good thing. Uh, you start forming opinions and different things. So I just kind of. I just prayed, and you know, when I walked into this place and felt the spirit of prayer in here, and, and when we sung the songs of Zion, it's, it's the same songs we sing at home, and I felt that same presence of the Lord that I feel at home in this place, and I just, I feel comfortable. I, I, hate, I, don't, I, I don't take this, this position lightly, but as far as, Lord, the, you know, the Bible says He's the Prince of Peace. He just kind of swept, swept over me during worship service and let me know everything was going to be all right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, just a little bit about me, uh, my family and I, uh, a few generations back, back in the 60s, my great-grandparents on my dad's side uh, got into church under Elder Jones, Lloyd-Jones Ministry out of uh, Locust Grove, Oklahoma. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it only goes so far. You know, every generation has to get it for themselves. And my parents did uh, after we moved back. I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska when my dad was in the military. And, and uh, we moved back to Oklahoma when he got out of the service. And my parents... Life was up and down, and uh, we finally stepped foot in Apostolic Church when I was five, and got my whole family got baptized, got the Holy Ghost shortly after, and as things go, you know, we fell out of church, and I, uh, long story short, I found my way back into Apostolic Church when I was 20 for the, for the very last time. It's been 12 and a half years ago that I walked into Lighthouse Apostolic Church in Claremore, and I said, God, I'm done with, with all the world and the things that that had to offer. That, that sure wasn't fun. <laughs> But, you know, it's, and, and living for God's not easy, but it sure is easy living with God. Praise the Lord. I have a wife, my wife Heather, of uh, nearly 13 years. We've been married, have three wonderful children. My oldest daughter, Serena, she's fixed to be 12. My daughter, Alana, she's fixed to be 11. My son, Brock, just turned 9. Uh, I do wish they could always be here with me, but God knows. Uh, so anyway, if you would stand with me for the reading of the word, we'll just kind of get into this. Praise the Lord. I, I have sat under my pastor for nearly 13 years, and I do wish I had his energy. I don't know how he does it. 
Um, so I don't know how this is going to go, but y'all just pray for me. If you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. We'll read a four, few verses of scripture from Genesis 37. And then we'll switch to 2 Corinthians 12. Praise the Lord. Genesis 37, very familiar story in the Bible if you've been in church any length of time. Story of Joseph. I'm going to start with verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. Skipping to verse 28. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And switching down to verse 36. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, a captain of the guard. I'm going to preach to you tonight this thought. Spent, from the, spent for the kingdom. Spent for the kingdom. If you would pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I ask for your help in this house today, God. Lord, anoint my mouth and my lips. God, help me, God, to be a builder in this kingdom, to build faith, to build encouragement. God, let these people know that they can live for you, God, and live victorious through Christ in Jesus. Lord God, we pray for the church back home, God. Lord, help them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we give you all praise, honor, and glory in the matchless name of Jesus. Praise the Lord in the church said amen. You, you can be seated. Now, I know I didn't read my other scripture. I guess I could take this time to do that. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 15. And I will very gladly spin and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And if you've been in church any length of time, you've no doubt heard the story of Joseph. Very familiar, very, uh, his life is very chronicled through the, through the Old Testament. Well, they talk about him so much and much of his story is reiterated even into the New Testament. We do know that he was loved by his father more than all the other children because he was the, the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Evidently, jo Joseph was well educated. He must have uh, learned to speak Egyptian at some point in time. He was probably a record keeper. His, his father loved him. He, he took him aside. He probably wasn't subject to the rugers of, of working out in the field with the sheep. He was, he was kept closer to the tents, most likely, and, and, and taught extra and, and risen above his brothers. His dad made him this coat, and he just kind of stuck out. I want to take this time to tell you that if, when God's working with you, when God starts elevating you, you're not going to have to tell anybody. You're not going to have to say anything. People are going to see that on you. People, they're not gonna, many are not going to like it, and that's just how it is. But when God starts doing it, it's done for the right reasons the right way. You know, he was a dreamer, and he was hated for his dreams. You know the dreams. He was, uh, he was telling them, I see the sheaves, and, and all y'all's were bowing to mine. And, and then he saw the sun, moon, and the stars, and they were bowing to him. And his brothers just hated him for this dream. And we know in verse eight, or 28, he was sold to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And after he was stripped of his coat, they dipped it in blood and deceived their father. See, they did that because they made his, wanted to make his dad think that he was dead so help wouldn't come. So they took him and put him in a situation he was uncomfortable with, he was unfamiliar with, and they put him down there, and, and any chance of hope he had a rescue was gone when they lied. And I want to tell you today that being spent for the kingdom is not fun. It's tough. You know, but we sing a song around here that says, If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. 
Then we get mad about being used. We get lied on, that's a part of it. We get cheated, we get abandoned, gossip. There's no end to the things that happen when you start getting spent for the kingdom of God. We get thrust into unfamiliar situations and unfamiliar places. We get left all alone. And nobody else knows where we're at. But we did say we wanted to be like Jesus. We asked him to use us. Stop being angry when he starts using us. You know, I started, uh, I was thinking on my way, drive down here, my wife and I, back in 2017, started praying prayers, started praying bigger prayers. You know, we had already, there's, it's been talked about tonight, all the prayers that's been answered, you know, and, and some things to some people are little things, and some things to other people are big things. And, you know, there's nothing like your own struggle and your own trouble being so big, but, you know, then somebody else sees it like, well, that's not really a big thing. You know, but, but, but they're not in your shoes. They don't understand where you're coming from. You know, we all come from different walks of life, different, different uh, class levels, different, you know, different things. I come from, from family. My parents were drug addicts and alcoholics for the longest time. And, and uh, I have friends and family and, and people in my church who they've lived for God their entire life. You know, but that's not my testimony. They can't really understand where I'm coming from. And sometimes I can't really understand where they're coming from, but that's just how the church goes. That's how the world works. And, you know, so in, in 2017, my wife and I, you know, we, we had no kind of really adult guidance in life from our parents. They were not ones to tell us how to be financially savvy and to do this and to do that and to be parents. And we had no real good examples in our life except for my pastor and his wife. And, you know, they, at this point in time, they had already raised their children. They were up and out of the home. And, and uh, you know, you can only ask so much, but... Eventually, you're just going to have to start doing something. So little by little, we would go and we would, we would pray prayers and God would answer and it built our faith. And finally, we find ourselves in 2017, we had, we had bought our house and we were in our house for two years and all kinds of stuff had went on and, and we didn't make the best financial situ, uh, decisions and these things were happening and we were falling further and further into debt. And I was making, I was, uh, like somebody said, I, I was working a good job, I really was. But to still live paycheck to paycheck, working the best paying job I've ever paid in my life, that's, that's really like chasing your tail. That's, that's no fun to get up every morning. At, sometimes I was getting up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning to be at work by 4 and, and work 12 and a half hours and come home and drag myself to the door and just to do it, you know, watch the kids so, so my wife could go work. And, and we got tired of it. We got tired of fighting that. And so we said, you know, we serve a great big God. He said, you know, we have not because we ask not. So we started praying. We said, God, we want to... We, we, we want to be free of this debt. And it was, it was just a pretty sizable debt to, to, for me, maybe not for you, but it was a sizable debt. So we started praying and started asking God. And you know, it's crazy when you start asking for things, you start praying for things and being specific about it, you start getting opposition. And sometimes that opposition, well, most of the time it's not any fun. It's, you start getting that opposition, you just kind of like pull your hand back out like you've been slapped. Like someone slapped your hand, like don't reach out and try for, for more. And so, so that's what we did. We kind of drew back. We were, we were even considering selling our house for the equity that was in it. And we were like, well, maybe we can use that and pay this off. And we were trying to make our own plans. And, and uh, eventually we prayed about it long enough and God told us to sell our house, which seemed like a great thing until I got the news that all the equity had to go to something else that popped up. And so here we are homeless. Uh, we had to go find a place to rent. And the rent in Claremore is not cheap. It's a college town. And I mean, you can get a two-bedroom, one-bath house and... $800 a month, easy, um, up. Um, but we have three children, so we were needing at least three-bedroom, four-bedroom. That's $900, $1,200 a month. We couldn't do that. And so we started asking the Lord, and we started, we, we, we were asking what to do, and we just kind of got this holding pattern. 
And sometimes that's the hardest thing is the waiting, the, the not knowing, the just the holding pattern. And, you know, we kind of stopped praying as, as hard as we were praying and we were just like in limbo for a while. And, and then sometime we just got sick of it again. And so we started entreating the Lord again and said, God, we have really, we have really got to do this. And so I believe it was the end of, toward the end of 2019, we started praying again and said, God, we got to be free of this debt. Well, just like before, the same thing happens. My, my wife, she starts having health trouble. And so she has to go to the doctor. And uh, even with insurance, we stacked on, I think it was like 9,000 extra dollars of debt. And then my younger daughter, she needed her tonsils taken out. And nobody checked her insurance. And the day before her surgery, her insurance was canceled. So we got stuck with another $8,000 of debt there. And it just seems like everything was compound and everything was getting worse. And, and my wife, she was just, she was frustrated because she's, she's the worrier in the bunch. I don't know about you, but I know in my, in, in my marriage, you know, there's one of us that's, we're the calm, cool, calm, cool, and collective until the last minute. And then, then we jump in and we, 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 we get, you know, all out of our head. But then, then we got the other side of it and they worry through the whole thing. And they, their health goes down because of it and it's just crazy. But that's what we were experiencing. We were, my wife, she is just having enough time of it. And she's like, how can you be so calm? I said, well, I got a God. I said, he's answered some big prayers for us before. And if you knew me before I surrendered to God when I was 20 years old, you would know what a great miracle. I don't have time to tell it tonight. But what a great miracle it was that I'm standing here today. Because God brought me way up out of a horrible pit. Out of that miry clay. He's setting my feet on a solid rock. And there's nothing he won't do for me. So you got to get some grit. you got to get some grit and say, am I over this enough that I'm going to put up with the heartache? That I'm going to put up with the people not understanding what I'm in? Because I had people looked at me funny. They said, you were only in your house for two and a half years and you sold it. What happened? It was a great deal. Well, you don't know the great deal it was. You don't understand the ins and outs. I see you two or three times a week, you know, sometimes, sometimes even less than that. And, and you don't know what I'm going through. People don't know where you're at. They don't know the pitch you're in. And you can't explain it to them because you may not know why you're there. So we started praying and we, said, we, we put a time limit. I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but we did. This was toward the end of 20, October 2019. We said, God, by the first half of 2020, we want to be out of debt. That is our goal. We, we, we're going to do whatever it takes. Whatever you put on our heart to do, that's what we're going to do. So we started praying and we started doing. We started talking, you know, making a plan and just, just attacking it. And then February comes and... And they gather our plant together. I, I worked in a steel shop. We made sucker rods for oil wells, if you know what that is. And we were the smallest of three plants. So they bring us together in February and they say, hey, uh, we hate to tell you, but y'all are the smallest ones and business ain't good. Said, uh, with this pandemic going on, we don't know what's going on. Uh, we're going to close you guys down. You're, you're not going to have a job. Uh, we would like to absorb you into our other companies, but it's just really not, th not going to be possible because we're having to downsize them too. Great. They said, well, we'll keep you guys till about the middle of 2020, June of 2020. And uh, it just is what it is. We'll try to keep you all as long as we can. And Okay, well, I want to be debt-free by the middle of 2020. So that didn't look very good. But we kept praying. We kept trusting God. And, and uh, you know, we just went through the holidays. And two weeks later, they said, they come to us and they said, well, we're going to have to go on a two-week furlough. You're going to have to go home unpaid for two weeks. We can't afford to pay you all. Uh, if you have any vacation, PTO, or whatever, you can use it. If not, you're just going to be unpaid for two weeks. I said, Lord, this don't look good. I said, we're going the opposite way. And we were. We had over doubled our debts at this point. And on my way home, I got in a car wreck. got rear-ended by a guy, texted on his cell phone, totaled my car. I was fine, but he, he broke my rear axle. I mean, 
it was, it was done. And so I am sitting on the side of the road where the day before was 74 and nice, but this day it was 37 with a negative 40 wind chill. I'm sitting out there, I don't have a coat. My car's totaled, I'm waiting for my wife to come. I'm going home on a furlough, and it's, it's just not going the way I wanted to go. And people don't understand, and I really didn't understand. But I, and I knew I had a God. I knew a God who sees the end from the beginning. So my wife, she looks at me, and she's in tears on the way home. What are we going to do? we got to come up with a car. And um, my pastor, he said, hey, y'all can borrow one or whatever. And my father-in-law had a spare one he gave us. So, hey, that was great. Still driving it today. And uh, it, it just went on. And so go back to work. And then I don't know if y'all remember, 2020, end of April, there was a day in the stock market that oil traded in the negative. Around the 26th, I think. And so we watched that a lot because all our business hinged on how well the oil was doing in the market. So then they come in the next day and wait till 2 o'clock and they said, they gathered us all together what was left. And they said, well, we wanted to keep you all to the middle of June, but it just ain't going to happen. Here's your, here's your papers. See you later. So here I am, the end of April. I've doubled my debts. I have wrecked a car. I have... Oh, I have frustrated myself. My wife is beyond frustrated, and I didn't know what to do. And I said, we're just going to have to trust God. And the next three weeks were a complete whirlwind. I can't explain to you what happened to this day. I cannot figure where the money came from. But three weeks to the day after I got home, I was writing the last checkout for my wife's medical payment. I was writing the last checkout for our car payment. This money coming to, to me from I don't know where. And we paid off almost $30,000 in debt three weeks after I walked off on my last job. And I don't know. I don't know where it came from. And we stuck money back in the bank. I have never had a savings account in my life. And I stuck six grand in the bank. I don't know where it came from, but I, I know who helped it come along. I said, thank you, Jesus. I give him the glory for it. But you know, God, he didn't, he didn't just do that for me. And that's the thing we have to learn. Sometimes, sometimes there is a time for selfish prayers. I'll just say that was a selfish prayer we prayed. But you see, God doesn't work on a selfish level. Because we were going through this pandemic and nobody knew what, what to do. And it was crazy. I don't know if you remember. People were crazy. And I don't know how it happened. I've never been able to do this in my life, but I was able to help people. I was able to, to, to take people food. I would have never before been able to do that. But I was able to buy groceries for families so they could eat. I was able to help them pay a light bill so they could stay warm. I was able to do these things because God put me through a trial and a situation that I refused to lay down. I refused to say I can't handle it. I refused to take no for an answer. If you can stand the pulling, God will pull you through. You see, when we see, the, when we see the pains and the trials and that just, oh, that thing that just, just is uncomfortable, we don't see it for what it really is. It's growth. It's growth because if you're just comfortable all the time, are you going to be praying as much as you pray now? Are you, are you going to be seeking the face of God when things are going great? Some people can and some people do and bless them for it. But I, have a, I, I myself know I have a harder time Staying on my face when things are going good. And sometimes these trials come along, these problems come along to keep you in a prayer room. See, this is God's plan for you. God's plan is bigger than just you. God's plan is bigger than just saving you. God's plan is bigger than just delivering you. God's plan is bigger than just growing you. God's plan is to reach so many people that you don't even know. 
God's plan is to reach people and save people and lift people up out of places that they couldn't before, and he's going to use you to do it if you'll let him. See, God, he, spill, he spends Holy Ghost-filled people to buy people. See, uh, Joseph, he was sold to Potiphar in Egypt. You know, but the Lord was with him, and, and Potiphar rose up, or Joseph rose up in Potiphar's house, and he was a prosperous man. Potiphar took notice of that. The Lord was with him and made him overseer of his house. And You know, that sounds like a pretty good gig, you know. I mean, captain of the guard. I can't tell you what Joseph went through from the pit to being sold into slavery before he got to Potiphar's house, how he was treated when he was there until, he, you know, until Potiphar took notice. I'm sure it wasn't very nice. I'm sure, I'm sure the living conditions weren't great. I'm sure the food wasn't either. I'm sure the treatment, the day-to-day treatment wasn't good. But, you know, when he got rose to that position, he could say, well, this is good enough. He could have said, well, this is all right. I can handle that. You know, it might be all right for a while until it's not. You know, because where you are right now in your walk with God is not where he intends to leave you. It's not where he intends to leave you. He's, gonna, he's building you up to reach others. You know, and it, and it doesn't take long before, you know, that uncomfortable thing comes in again, you know. I'm sure Joseph was feeling pretty good. But then... Potiphar's wife took notice and, you know, all the things that went on with that, you can go back and read it. And, and the next, you know, Joseph is, he's cast into prison now. It's even worse. And, and his world is completely upside down again. And if you think nobody knew where he was at before in the pit, surely nobody knows where he's at in Egypt down in the depth of the dungeon. That doesn't sound like fun. But, you know, the Lord was with him. He, he, had that, he had that attitude that refused to just stay down, that refused to let these problems just get him down and keep him down. And so he rose up in the prison. But see, nobody's going nobody's gonna to understand, or no, it was, it was talked about, a sister said it a minute ago. She said, people don't understand my situation. They don't understand why I'm dealing with all this. And I have family from every spectrum, you name it, they've done it. I've been around it, exposed to stuff. And, and people don't understand why you make the decisions you make and, and how you ended up where you're ending up at, but, but God's got a plan. You know, see, there's going to be a butler who's going to thank God that you're in the prison that you're in. There's going to be a butler. I mean, where would the butler have been if Joseph wasn't in the prison? You ever think about that? The baker lost his head. I mean, maybe that would have happened. Maybe not. Maybe the butler never would have, never would have known. And maybe he would have taken his own life and never got out of there. But there's going to be a butler that comes along while you're in your prison, while you're in your struggle and your situation. There's going to be a butler who needs you to be in position, who needs you to have the attitude of gratitude, to have that gumption to say, I'm not going to take this setting down. I'm not going to just be okay with just being okay. I'm going to get in here and I'm going to put my hand to the plow. I'm going to root hog or die. I'm going to be the miracle. I'm going to make it happen. We say, use me, Lord. Spend me, Lord. Save a butler. Save a lost sheep. Save a prodigal son. Because there's so many people. I, I bet if I, if I asked you to raise hands, there's, there's people in this place that you have a sibling or a, or a child or a grandchild or somebody in your life, a friend, a loved one, who's not living for God right now, who is in a, who is in a spiritual prison and they don't even see the bars. They're going to need you to be in place. 
And we got to be willing to be spent for the kingdom of God to buy those people because that's what this is about. This isn't about coming into a beautiful sanctuary, which it is. It's not about all the camp meetings, which are great. It's not about the conferences. It's not about the great music. It's about souls. It's about seeing those that we love not go to a devil's hell where they're not intended for. It's about seeing those pearly gates and walk on those streets of gold side by side with our loved ones. That's what this is all about. And we can't lose sight of that. You know, it took two full years before Pharaoh had his dreams and the, and the butler remembered what happened. And boy, I bet Joseph, those two years must have been rough. I know for me, they would have been rough. I would have been so mad at that butler and, and I, I probably would have been mad at God. I don't know. I, I, I pray to God I don't know that situation. I've been, I've been through some stuff. But you know, it took two full years for him to be remembered. And butler's like, oh man, I remember my falsest day. And so he, 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 Pharaoh, he gets brought before Pharaoh. You know, see, your valleys, they're going to take you through and grow you more than a mountaintop can. Because it's down in those valleys, those low times, that's, when that, that's where the nutrient is. That's where the good soil is. That's where the good growing is done at, is in those valleys. You know, we love those mountaintop experiences. We love those services where the man of God can come in and just preach the roof off the house and, and the choir can just sing it and, and, and everything just goes and it's beautiful, but... But those low times, those quiet times, those, those dark times, those prison times, those pit times, those, those times when people don't understand, that's what's, that's what's growing you. That's what's, that's what's getting you out of your shell, and that's what's getting you on your face, and that's what's getting you to, to trust God. You know, see, that's how prayer rooms are built. That's how God builds prayer rooms. That's how he builds prayer warriors. You can do a whole lot more on your face in prayer than you ever can singing the songs of Zion. More than just walking in the house of God. More time spent on your face in prayer is going to do more for your loved ones and bring them in this house than anything else. Prayer's where it's at. See, Joseph, he was made second in command only to Pharaoh. And that's exactly where God wanted him. You say, even a heathen king said, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? See, we need to live in such a way that people see Jesus. See, I didn't tell you that story about the prayer I asked and had answered because I wanted you to say, well, Brother Horton's got great faith and he prayed and da, da, da. No, I wanted to show you the power of God through prayer. Somebody who, who just has that, that never-say-die attitude, that never-give-up attitude, if you can pray. But see, the thing about anointing and answered prayers and things is they're directly reciprocal to, to sacrifice. And, those, and it's in the sacrifice. The more, the more you sacrifice, the greater the result. So if you pray little, you're going to get little. You know, that's, that's pretty standard stuff. But you pray big and reap big. Not just you. Not just for you. Praise the Lord. Acts 7. Stephen. Stephen is spent. You know, there's not a whole lot that's, that's mentioned in the Bible about Stephen. Um, Acts chapter 6 and 7 is about it. And honestly, he used chapter 7 to kind of reiterate Joseph's story and several other things in the Bible. You know, he was selected one of seven to go and serve, the, serve tables, serve the widows, because the, the, all, the, all the people were getting frustrated because their widows were being neglected. And, and uh, the apostle said, well, I mean, we can't leave off doing this to go and serve tables. said, go and select you seven men to, to go and who are full of the Holy Ghost and power and, and have them serve the tables, you know, get, get us some help up here. Because we can't, we, we've got to continue in prayer and, 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 and getting this word out to the, to the world. 
And so Stephen was selected. Uh, he was full of faith and power, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Stephen, I mean, he was great. There was a, that was a, that's an awesome testimony. I would love to have that testimony, be able to walk in that all the time. But in just two short chapters, Stephen was killed. He was, he was bumped off. He was stoned to death while he, he looked up to heaven and said, God, for, forgive them. Don't let this sin at their charge. And he laid down and fell asleep. And Stephen was spent, probably not understanding why he was dying. He probably figured he had, a, he had great plans. He had a great work to do. And he was spent not knowing why he was killed. But, because, but when God is spending, and Stephen was spent, God is also buying transaction. And I, you know, somebody else used this illustration. I loved it so much I just, I just cabbaged onto it. But I could just see this meeting in heaven. I could see Stephen walking around on those streets of gold, maybe, maybe just you know, think about how good the Lord is. And, and he bumps shoulders with some guy and he looks up and there's Paul. I wonder what that would have been like. Look familiar. He said, how in the world did you get here? Last time I saw you, their coats were at my feet that were of your feet while they were stoning me. How in the world did you get here? I can see, I can just see Paul staring at him and said, Stephen, I was never the same after I watched you die. I was never the same when I watched you lay down there with your face like an angel. I was never the same when I saw you get spent from me. See, Stephen, he was full of the Holy Ghost and of power. But Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He knew the law backwards and forwards. I love Paul's testimony. You, you, you read about him and while he's going through his travels. And you know, one person he said, well, I'm a, I'm a this, and I'm a publican, and I'm a, I'm a Hebrew, and I'm a Roman. And he used these things to his advantage. I mean, he was a lot of things, and it got him a lot of places. God spent Stephen to buy Paul. Paul wrote the epistles and he brought church order. It's not saying that Stephen wasn't valuable. It was just that God needed Stephen to buy Paul because he had other plans. He had other things to do. I, they're still walking the streets of gold together. Or they will be someday. And I believe that. See, God spends Holy Ghost filled people to buy other people. You know, he doesn't carry a wallet. He carries you and he carries me. See, he spends your time. He spends your time. Your, the most valuable thing you have. It's not your money. It's, it's your time. God spends your time of, of, of you doing those things, those things for God. He spends your effort, your prayers, your sacrifices, those times when you share your testimony and, and, you, and you share that struggle when people don't understand and you go through it. God spends that to buy other people. See, I had this dream. It was, it was about a year ago, and I, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget everything, but I, I think I got it in my head right. And I was, I was, my pastor had asked me to preach, this, preach a message on Sunday, and and so I was, I was in prayer, and I was asking God, what do I preach? And, and God, God's got a sense of humor. I don't mind getting up early, but it's not my favorite thing. And when, but when God wants to talk to me, he'll get me up really early in the morning. I mean, sometimes it's 3.30, sometimes it's 4. I mean, it is early. And, and he'll talk to me before I have time to let my thoughts get other places, before I've given my first fruits of my time other places. God said, hey, why don't you spend, that, spend those first fruits of your time with me? So I did. I got up that morning. It was a Saturday morning, June 16th, 16th I think it was, 2020. 2021 or 22, I don't know. My time's getting away from me. Uh, last year. And I was in prayer and I prayed and I was reading my Bible and I was getting this message together. And, and then I just, I, I laid down on the couch and I was praying and, and I kind of, I started having this dream. And, and in my dream, I was seeing myself preaching at our church. And, but I was seeing myself from the third person. I was, I was seeing it from this angle over here and I was 
looking down this way, and I was watching myself kind of preach off that way. And, and if you've ever been to our church, there's a, there's a table in front of the pulpit here. And it's, uh, it's one of those uh, communion tables that says, do this in, uh, in remembrance of me. And, and in, in, in our church, instead of having, having offering pans out, we have, a, we have a tithe and offering box on top. It's just a wooden box, nothing fancy, it's just what it is. Uh, but in my dream, that box wasn't there. In my dream, there was this big glass vessel. It was clear, but it was beautiful. And it was sitting there in its place. And in my dream, as I'm preaching this message, I take notice uh, at the other people in our church, and I notice everyone's holding a, a cup. Now, everybody's cup's different. Everybody's cup's different sizes, every, different shapes, different amount of detail, different colors. Everybody was just different, but I couldn't really exactly make anybody cu- anybody's cup out but two people. My pastor's being one, and there's a young lady in our church. Uh, the Lord really prompted me not to, not to mention who it was. But I could see her cup. I saw my pastor's cup. My pastor's cup, it was just kind of bigger than everybody else's. And it was, it was really a nice cup. And, and every cup had, had different levels of oil in it. And, and my pastor's cup, you know, being bigger than others, he, he had more oil in it than, than everybody else, which just seemed right. It seemed like it just naturally should be so. And, and everybody's just kind of holding their cups. And, and I'm preaching this message, and I'm, I'm trying to, to stir people. And, and this young lady that's got this other, this other cup, I mean, it was beautiful. It was, it, it was small, but it was beautiful, and it was kind of diamond-shaped, and it was, it was like a clear sapphire color and had these beautiful wings off of it. It was gorgeous. But the cavity in it was only so big, it, just, it only held so much oil. And you could tell that this young lady, she was really kind of embarrassed about the amount of oil she had to bring. She just like, she, she didn't want to turn loose of it, and it was just, she was holding it close, and I took note of that. And, and as I'm preaching this message, as I'm, as I'm going along, people one at a time, as they felt... As they felt led, they would just get up real quietly, not disturbing the service, and they would come and they would pour their cup in this vessel in the front of the church. Just one by one, they'd come and they'd pour in what they had. And I understood that this vessel would be like a bank, kind of like a piggy bank for the church. And like I said, just a dream I had, I don't know. But, uh, but as I was preaching, this thing gets filled up more and more. And, and I'm realizing that the oil in the cup is your, is your profits from the week's day, devotions. It's your, it's your effort and your energy spent doing the things in the will of God. And, and the more you do that, the more your oil is filling up your cup. And so that way when you can come in church, you can, you can pour out your cup into the vessel in the front. And, 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 and it can just gather and more and more. And, 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 I, and I understood that, that God was wanting to make a purchase for the church. And he spends you and he spends me and he spends our efforts to fill that cup. To fill that vessel in the front. But you have got to understand your value. Every precious ounce of oil that you can bring in and add to this is very valuable. It's, it is, it, it's buying power. It is buying power for God to spend our church on. And in my dream, she was just holding on tight. And one by one, everybody else is filling it up. And, and it comes so close to the top. I mean, just a little bit more and it's going to be running off over but she clutched, she clutched that cup so much, she couldn't understand the value. She couldn't see the beauty and the ordinateness of her cup. She couldn't understand the value of the oil that was in her cup. And I was preaching and I was trying to reach. I was telling her, just pour it out. I just want to go there, but, you, but it can't. You know how it's poured out? It's poured out when you go to that prayer room before church. It's poured out when you worship and you give your all to God. When you don't care what those to your left or your right think about you and about your way you worship and about your testimony and about how you live for God and, and, and how you're doing. None of that, that. Just give what you got. Pour it out. Pour it out. 
2 Corinthians 12 and 15, Paul said, The more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. See, when God is spending you to buy others, it hurts. You know, there's times, uh, I know my pastor and, and, and even myself, you know, we, we make that extra effort to make calls, you know, before church, hey, you going to be there? We shoot some text, you know, asking if someone's all right. We, we send some messages. We, we may drive over to their house. You know, we spend the time, we spend the effort. We miss meals. We miss family time. We go to the hospital. We render services. We spend money. Sometimes our reward's empty seats. Sacrifice isn't fun, but it's worth every ounce. It's worth every ounce of effort that you can give to it. It's worth everything that you do, no matter how insignificant you may think it is, but you put a little drop in that cup over time, that cup starts filling up. You may not see it right away. You may turn around a few days later like, man, this is really paying off. Man, those early morning prayer meetings, boy, they're starting to pay off. When you come into the house of God and you don't have to just dig and, and root hog and try to, try to stir up the spirit of God, but you can come in in power. You can come in and, and just, oh, it just flows. It's worth every bit of effort. You know, sometimes people leave. They gossip, they lie, they slander. It hurts. But if you can stand the pulling, I'm telling you, you can stand the pulling. God will pull you through. You see, if you can hold on, if they want to come to the music, I'm, I'm about done. If you, can just, if you can just handle it, if you can just do that daily walk, those daily devotions, those things that, that people count off. You know, some people, they want, to, they want to be here. Some people, they want to be there. They want to be there, here, or, or the other. And, 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 but they're not willing to do those little things. Those little those little. One day, one step at a time, you know, some people, that's all they can focus on. is like, how am I going to get through the next day? How am I going to get through the next hour? Well, you, you're not going to get very far if you don't do it with the Lord. You're not going to have as much to give when you come into this church service if you haven't been doing those things. But the more, little by little, little by little, that oil is going to fill up that cup. And you're going to be able to pour it out. And God is going to have all the buying power he needs for this church. Galatians 6, 8 and 9. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Because Joseph withstood the spending, his father, his brothers, all of their families. Egypt, the entire known world at that time, were able to be saved. They were able to, to, to weather the storm. They were able to, generations were able to come from Joseph because he was willing to be spent for the kingdom. All because one man was spent. But what if there's so many of you in this house tonight, you'd stand with me. There's so many of you in here tonight that you, you may not feel important. You may think that, well, I, I, I blew it. You know, I, I finally got up to testify and I, I, I lost my thoughts. And believe me, I've done that. And uh, man, people just think I'm weird or... Or, you know, I, I, I can't clap on beat. You know, people, they're not going to appreciate my praise. It looks funny. I can't sing like, like Sister So-and-So up in the choir, you know. But I'm, I'm giving it all I got. I'm singing from my heart. But see, God sees each and every one of you. That's what's amazing about serving an omnipotent God we can't understand. God is so big and so mighty and so powerful that he can give liberally to each one of us to such a capacity that you would think that you're the only person living on this world. 
God can focus that much attention on you, but you don't even know there's anybody else. The Bible calls him the lover of my soul. And he's the lover of your soul tonight. I'm telling you that your oil is important. Your cup is important. It's important. And I want you to, as you raise your hands, think about this with me. God, what could heaven be filled with? With what you're going to spend me on? God, what more can I sacrifice to get more oil to be able to pour out to give you more buying power? I got family. I got lost loved ones. I myself have a sister in rehab right now. She's got four kids that if God doesn't spend me, I don't know where they're going to spend eternity. I want to see them in heaven. I want to see my. I want to see your loved ones in heaven. There's no way I can know what this message is going to go forth and do tonight. I have no idea. But I pray one day when I'm walking those streets of gold, I might bump into somebody and say, Hey, Brother Horton, you were over there and you look kind of silly and you didn't really have your thoughts together, but I got something out of that. And, 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 and I'm at tr- I made it to the house of God. I, I went down in the water in the baptism in Jesus' name and got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I brought my family to church all off of one silly little message, one silly little thought you had. I'll be all right with that. I'll be all right with that. Are you okay tonight with what you're doing? Are you satisfied with where you're living? Are you ready to get uncomfortable? Are you ready to sacrifice? Are you ready to give whatever God requires of you? Are you ready to let God spend you to buy your loved ones? Are you ready? Because that's what's going to take. Jesus Christ was spent for you. Now he's going to spend you to save your family. And it's goodbye. Save that lady down there at the convenience store who I don't know if that telling her what a good God is. I don't know what that's gonna do. So what if it does? I'll be willing to look like a fool for Christ's sake if it means another soul in the kingdom. Oh.